Thank you for listening to New Hope Chapel's podcast. Pastored by Reverend Gary Dereshinsky, New Hope Chapel is located in Arnold, Maryland. You can find us on the web at www.newhopechapel.org. Now here's Pastor Gary Dereshinsky with today's message. Well, this is weird, isn't it? You know, uh, I, when I came 18 years ago, I never dreamed or thought this, occur, this uh, moment would come. And yet, on the other hand, uh, I did have a sense that God had things for me. But, um, you know, I rejoice that on the one hand, uh, Peter was the apostle to the Jews and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And I had opportunity to share in both kinds of ministries and uh, to learn uh, from both as well. So this has been a real joy to me and uh, a challenge, an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to use my gifts in areas I had never had opportunity to do before. One, in pastoring a church, helping to grow a church, helping to do uh, all kinds of different outreaches, uh, as many shared last night, notably Solomon's Porch and all those kinds of neat things, uh, and also outdoor concerts that we did. I remember back over at um, where the middle school is now located, was the high school. And I remember one morning, what was it, Easter morning or something? And we took all our equipment out and all of the, the uh, uh, platforms, I think all of these platforms, we carried them out, set them all up, put up our speakers. And I, get, I think Tom was leading worship at that time, the worship team. And it must have been around, I don't know, we got there early, 9 o'clock in the morning. And the next thing we know, the police arrived, and some people across the street in the apartments complained that we were too loud. And we never were guilty of being too loud, as I remember it. But uh, we said, oh, we'll turn down. And so they said, okay, we turned it, and then they went, and back up it went, you know. Because what good is music if it's not too loud, you know? I mean, that's, that's rock and roll. You know, so. But that was loads of fun, too, and uh, challenging, you know, and scary. But um, in any case, it's been uh, a joy in learning to pastor, learning to be engaged in people's lives. And one thing I ought to have mentioned, and Mary Lou reminded me, all the wonderful things people shared last night, you know, where I was on hand to help and come alongside and pray, uh, Mary Lou reminded me, you know, you never would have been at any of those things if it wasn't for me, you know, (laughs) because... Because whenever there was a crisis or a complaint, no one ever came to me. You know, they all called Mary Lou. And they would say, there's a problem afoot. Someone's got to do something about it. And Mary Lou would say, Gary, you got to do something about it. I said, you know, I'm involved with so many things. I'm tired of getting all the calls. You know, do something. And that's really the main reason I was there. Mary Lou was the one on call saying, a call came in. You need to go. I got credit, you know. But it uh, wouldn't have happened if Mary Lou wasn't there at her post, you know, nudging me along. Hopefully when we get out to California, she'll have to do less nudging. But I'm not certain about it. We'll have to see. But those are things I've learned. Listen to your wife. Listen listen to your wife. That's what I learned. Well, listen, uh, let me share with you uh, from God's word. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. And, you know, as you're turning, uh, this could be a very sad moment. You know, God could have called me to Montana. You know, this could be... <laughs> it could be, why did I think Montana? You know? uh, he could have called us to Idaho. 
can you imagine if he called us to like Georgia, you know, or Louisiana? I would have said, no, no, no. But Los Angeles, I heard the voice, you know. <laughs> who, who wouldn't hear the voice, right? Well, it's not such a bad place to be called to. You know, he could have said Calcutta. And I would have thought, oh, no, you know. Or neighboring Pakistan. Of course, for Emily, that's a joy. You know, it's really what you're made of, I guess. I'm not, I'm not made of too much. You know, I, I've got to go to L.A., not Pakistan, you know. But uh, so God is gracious. He really is gracious. And he won't send you to Pakistan if he hasn't called you, you know, and equipped you and put the burden on your heart. And he won't call you to L.A. either if God hasn't put a burden and a thing in my heart for my people that I need to be ministering to in the next uh, coming years, perhaps. But we'll see. But if you take a look at 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. That's near the Jordan River by the north part of the Dead Sea. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He said, yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. I just want to focus on that last part. That's kind of neat to think. Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. And let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Now, these are two of the most significant prophets in all of the history of Israel. You know, when I teach my students, I always remind them that God has three major moments of miraculous manifestations. The time of Moses and the Exodus, and the ten plagues, and the uh, parting of the Red Sea, and the bringing out of water from rocks, and all kinds of things that Moses had done. Very key moment in the miraculous working of God among Israel. And of course, the third uh, most miraculous moment is when the Lord Jesus himself came, the Messiah of Israel, and all the miracles he did. The manifestation of God's power and presence through him was... Uh, unparalleled. When we come to our second case, it's Elijah and Elisha. And that's why on the Mount of the Transfiguration, who appears with the Lord Jesus? Moses and Elijah. Elijah stands for the prophets 
He is a representative of all the prophets, even though he's not a writing prophet, and even though very little is really said about his life. And yet it's Elijah that has center stage. Remember what Jesus said. The prophet Malachi said, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and, pow- and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and their children to their fathers. Elijah would be the herald of the coming Messiah. And Jesus said, John the Baptist served in the role of Elijah. And you know, every year for 18 years or so, we've celebrated Passover. And you remember that Elijah's cup at the very end. We open the door to see if Elijah may be running a little late. Because we believe the Messiah is to come on Passover, as the rabbis taught. They were right about that. Jesus did come and gave his life on Passover, right? As the Passover lamb. And so we wait for Elijah to come. He takes center stage. And Elijah was larger than life, even though there were only a few things said about him, right? Number one, remember he calls down fire from heaven. That's a pretty neat thing. And it consumes the altar with the animal that the Baal prophets had erected and they, they're circling the altar, you remember? And Elijah said, look, if Baal is God, we'll call down fire from heaven. Of course, Baal was the sky god, the god of thunder and lightning and fire. And so they figure that if your god is the center stage for all that activity, our prayer will be that Baal will send down fire from heaven. And if fire from heaven comes down, the name of Baal, well, then we'll worship Baal. But if when I call on my God and fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar, then we know that God is God. And so all day and all night, the Baal prophets circled the altar. And uh, they're crying out to their God, even getting to the point where they're cutting themselves with knives, pouring out their blood on the altar, hoping that this might appease the God Baal and cause them to respond. But there's no voice from heaven. Then Elijah gets into the act, right? And he says, well, maybe you should shout a little louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he went off on a trip. Maybe, and he gets very crass, Elijah. So if any of you ever use off-color language on occasion, you know, you ought not to feel too badly about it. Because Elijah very deliberately says, he uses very crass language in the Hebrew, but essentially it means maybe he's going to the bathroom, you know, and can't be disturbed. And so nothing happens. And then Elijah says, enough of this nonsense. Now, this is what I want you to do. Take some water. Remember, three years of famine has already struck Israel because of Israel's disobedience, because Elijah prayed that it would not rain for three days, uh, for three years, so that Israel would be forced to recognize that God is the true God, not Baal, but God. And if they don't turn to him, there's no rain from the sky, no matter how hard they cry out or how loud they cry out to Baal. And so Elijah says, go down to the creek, get some water, and douse the altar with water. And they douse it with so much water from that creek, and consider that they're wasting this water, it might appear, that a, uh, a, a flood or a, 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 you know, like a pool of water begins to rise up around the altar. And then Elijah, when all is said and done, he says, back up, and then in one sentence he says, Lord God of Israel, cause fire to come down from heaven. And boom, and it destroys and consumes the altar. With that, the people of Israel that are observing, they look and they say, the God of Elijah is our God. The God of Elijah is our God. I guess we all would do that, right? You know, before they're with Baal, the God of Elijah is our God, you know? And so Elijah says, well, if he is your God, take out your swords and slay these Baal prophets. 450 of them bite the dust under Elijah's command. And then Elijah prays for it to rain, and the rains fall. And he says to Ahaz, 
you know, that uh, rain is going to come, get on your chariot, make it back, or else you're going to get stuck in the mud. And that's when Elijah takes his robe, ties it up around his waist, and he begins to run, and he outruns the king's chariot. Another miracle that God does through Elijah. Elijah was a larger-than-life character and made such an impact on Israel. And here he's going to be taken away by God in a whirlwind up into heaven. Elisha, of course, was his disciple. And Elisha is saying, I am not leaving you. And he stays with him, as we read in this text, until he was taken away. And Elijah says to Elisha, what can I do for you before I leave? And Elisha says, may a double portion of your spirit rest upon me. Of course, what Elisha was asking was that he would inherit the uh, inheritance that Elijah had. And what he was really thinking about was that to the same degree that God used Elijah, might it be that he would so bless me. And you remember the right of primogeniture, the right of the firstborn to receive a double portion of the father's inheritance so that a, the firstborn son would get twice as much as all the other sons that uh, might be in the household. Well, Elijah is asking that he would be the primary inheritor of what Elijah has. And what did Elijah have? The calling of God as a prophet. And Elijah says, well, if you see me when I'm taken up, such will be the case for you. And when one looks at Elisha's life, we rarely think of Elisha. We think of Elijah. There's no Elisha in the Passover. There's no Elisha who is to come and herald the the Messiah. There's no Elisha that is spoken of that would herald the Messiah, as Jesus says, one like Elisha has come. Elisha doesn't make it anywhere else in Scripture. But if you read his life, He actually performs not twice as many miracles as Elijah, but three times as many. And three times the space allocated to Elijah is given to Elisha. And so we forget about Elisha, but you look at the following chapters, miracle after miracle after miracle. He raises someone's son to life from the dead. He multiplies food. He uh, enables an axe head to float so that some farmer can get his tool. Even at his death when he's buried and someone is inadvertently placed in a grave next to Elisha's grave, when the bones of that man are placed next to Elisha, he's raised to life. Even as a dead corpse, decaying corpse, he's performing miracles in his grave. And indeed, a double portion has occurred. And here's the point. I share with you over the last few weeks, you know, on the Mount of the Transfiguration, I said, remember, Jesus is preeminent. Prayer is a priority. They went up to the Mount of the Transfiguration to pray, and Jesus was transfigured. And then I reminded you and myself of Jesus' invitation. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble and gentle of heart. My My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls, you know. And I said, what we need is to turn to Jesus, to come, to, to learn, and to rest. Those are the three points from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and, and 30. And then I drew our attention to Jesus' washing the disciples' feet and said, it is never enough to serve one another. And like the good Samaritan who stopped 
And he, asked, he did not ask the question, if I stop, what will happen to me? But he asked the question, if I don't stop, what will happen to him? And that's what we need as a body here as we look for a new pastor. You know, If I don't get involved, what will happen to the church? Not if I do get involved, where will my time go? I won't have enough time to sleep, enough time to eat, enough time to rest, no time to be with family. We can always ask the question, if I do stop, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan said, if I don't stop, what will happen to him? That's the question we always need to be asking ourselves because we are to be servants. Because Jesus said, I do this as an example for you to follow. And that means Jesus left his family, his father in heaven, in order to serve you and I by giving his life. Sometimes it demands us to make sacrifices we would otherwise not like to make. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. Remember what he said, no one who leaves father and mother or brothers or sisters or children or anything else will uh, lose out on the inheritance. They will receive in this life and in the life to come a hundredfold for their service. Can you imagine that? You know, we never give up anything. We only stand to gain all things that the Lord has for us. And not just a little bit, but a hundredfold that he has for us. There is no better place to be than at the foot of the cross and to be reminded of the service that Jesus rendered to us and that it ought to be an example of how we ought to render ourselves even unto death for one another. You know, that's what the early followers of Jesus were like in the first centuries uh, of our era. They would not think it abnormal to uh, be brought to the stake for the glory of God. We would be like going cringing, really? No, and we'd be like this, you know. But they went with their heads up high because they really had a sense of what the Lord has done for them. And when Elisha was with Elijah, his prayer is that that same spirit that rested on Elijah might rest on me and might, may I be of service to others. And the point is this, and I've said it a thousand times, especially when I've looked at the book of Joshua and one of the examples here. Joshua is called to take on the role after Moses dies. And he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now it's for you to take them on to the Jordan. And what, what does John Wesley say in his sermon on that? He said, when God uh, uh, buries his servants, you know, and he goes on with the work. You know, he buries the servant and he goes on with the work. He can call a servant out and he goes on with the work. You know, no teacher in Israel has arisen like Moses, right? It says the end of Deuteronomy, no prophet has risen up like Moses. And yet, a Joshua was raised up to bring the people into the promised land. Well, Moses never did that. And as great as Moses was, he himself never made it into the promised land, but a Joshua was raised to bring them in. You take a man like David, and you would say, look at this wonderful man, a, friend, a man after God's own heart. And look what he accomplished for Israel. And when he would go, who's going to take up the reins? And God raises up a Solomon to take his place and to give us not just one book, about 70 some odd Psalms David wrote, but Solomon wrote over 7,000 Proverbs and Psalms. 
And we have the book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes that outdoes anything David had written. We look at a man like Elijah and we say, who could follow in his footsteps? And God raises up an Elisha to take Israel further and to perform greater miracles. Think about this. I, thought, I, was, I was like this about whether I should bring this up because I don't know how it would be taken. But consider Jesus himself. Jesus said, unless I go, the comforter can't come. In a way, not exactly the same, but in a way, when Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, the disciples were very saddened by that and they figured, how could we carry on? But when the comforter came, well, think of all the miracles the apostles did record in the book of Acts. Never would have happened. Jesus didn't go. Because the Spirit then would not have been given. Even in Jesus' case, as odd as that sounds to say, but from one vantage point, even the necessity for the Lord to go so that the disciples could do, well, as Jesus said, even greater things than these. <laughs> you know? And so I know, it, you know it's sad and it seems like, where can new hope go without Gary Dershinsky? Well, you know, I would say it can go real far, man, <laughs> you know. It can go real far. But I know it's kind of scary to think. But, you know, they said that when the pastor before me was leaving. They thought, who is going to take this ship with like 20, 30 people? Who would want to come to Annapolis for a small little body like this when there's like, you know, when we first came and I opened up the newspaper and I saw the list of churches and I said, yikes. There's like a hundred of them, you know, and they're all great. They're all big and they're all, you know, evangelical. What are we going to do? And then last night as I listened after 18 years, I mean, Mary and I, we felt called. We felt this is where God has led us. And as people shared testimony, you know, these were things that God had done that we were involved in, that the people in the big churches were not involved in. And that's a blessing for all of us to experience together. Because that's how God works, you know. He calls. And so on the one hand, no one is uh, necessary to any ministry God does. You know, God is the one that is the head of his church. And he moves us all around. We are his servants. And God has someone in mind to come here, to be a blessing to you guys in a way that I had not been, and in a way that will bring the body to another plateau. And 18 years down the road, we'll look back and we'll say, what was it like, 18? 20 people were here? That can't be. People were, you know, ministered to and served in a way, and we'll look back and we'll say, this is really wonderful, what God, uh, what God has done. But this is a very exciting passage to me as I think about this. When he, sa when he says here, um, when he says, when they had crossed, Elijah said, tell me what I could do for you before I am taken from you. And so, my, I can't do anything. I mean, I'm not Elijah. <laughs> but in the same way, what we want to pray is that the Spirit of God will rest upon our church here in a greater measure than he has uh, over the years. And when we look and, you know, we see the facilities God has provided, when we look and see the variety of different ministries we've come in and out of, 
when we see the people's lives that have been impacted, well, that's only going to increase as the Lord continues to bless and as the Lord continues to lead. And so we just need to find the man of God's choosing for the work that he has to go on here. So I want to be an encouragement to you in my last, my last time here because the, God, the Lord is going to do some great things. It will not always be easy in the process, even as it wasn't for Elijah or Elisha. But God will bring you through. And uh, you'll look back and you'll say, I don't know how we did it. And, but God has brought us through. And look, uh, we are now. Just thinking of that song, you know, Blind Boys of, of Alabama, they had that song. You know, look what he's brought us through. You know, and how he's uh, taken us out of the miry clay and brought us into the very kingdom of heaven. That's our journey. And that's our, our trip. So let's pray together. Our God and Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to our church. You have been, in all the years I've been here, the head of this body. I thank you for the privilege you've given me to serve you here and to be of some benefit to those who have come and attached themselves to New Hope Chapel. I appreciate Ron's words this morning. For we have heard the voice, voice, who will go for me? And Lord, we've stood up, Mary Lou and I, and we've said, Lord, send us. We're willing to go if that is indeed what your will is. So we thank you for the provision you have made and are making for us to go where you are calling. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to bring provision and blessing to new hope, that you would give wisdom and guidance to the leadership team as well as the pastoral search committee, that they would have spiritual insight and spiritual glasses on as they look at the variety of candidates that you're going to bring here for evaluation. May they come to you and listen to your voice and be strong in their commitment to follow you and to do your will as you lead them in the next phase of ministry here at New Hope Chapel. We love you, Lord, and we rejoice in being your children and being given the opportunity to do something that might make a difference in other people's lives and to do something that might bring glory, honor, and praise to you. So fill our church with your spirit and may he have total sway in our lives to enable us to live personal lives that are honoring to your name and that would then be beneficial to all around us. We bless you, we praise you, and we express our love to you. Thank you for all you've done for us through Jesus, our Savior, who's given his life in our behalf. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Gary of New Hope Chapel. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I hope it was a blessing and encouragement to you. Our church, New Hope Chapel, is located in Arnold, Maryland, just outside of Annapolis. So if you're ever visiting in our area, please come by, say hello, and visit with us. We'd love to have you. You can find out more information about our church at newhopechapel.org on the web. So we hope to see you soon. God bless.